Some of you do. It's stupid. Sorry, James, I'm not supposed to use that in church, am I? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, I love the line about we take our faith onto the football field. You know, this series that we've been talking about has been all about taking our faith everywhere we go, whether it be at work, whether it be on the sports team, whether it be in worship, whether it be wherever, that's where our faith needs to go. People need to see us for who we are. Do people see you for who you are? And then the question comes, who you are, do you want people to see you? Maybe that's an even bigger question. You know, this morning we come to see what difference it makes that we are Christians on the playing field, whether it be in your work or whether it be in some stupid game. And understand, like the coach there, I'm like you. I, I take part in a lot of stupid games. When my wife's here second service, I'm not going to say that because she'll hold that against me. But for you, I'll tell you that. Because the priority is not to win or to lose, although why play if you can't try to win? I mean, what's the use of playing if you don't want to win? And yet, really, that means nothing. Was I sad yesterday as the Huskies lost? Of course I was. But oh well, it's just a game. Was I happy when the Cougars won yesterday? Believe it or not, I was happy. I was rooting for them. But it's just a game. Five years from now, we won't remember. Some of us won't remember about two games from now. Some of you could care less. You know, it's just a game. You know, this morning we come, and I I have to laugh. Now, some of you missed what Cindy said up here with Scruffy. Just so you know, and those of you who really care about football, you would know this. Others, it just went right over your head. You know why Scruffy was rooting for Green Bay? Well, she said because the other team steals, and the Bible says they're not supposed to steal. This is for all of you who could care less about football. You got this? The Pittsburgh name is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, see, I knew it went right over some of your heads, and, and that's okay. The other thing I think is kind of interesting is to see how outdated some of us are. Like Rick over there with number 37. Sean Alexander, how many years ago did he play for the Seahawks? I had to ask Rick, what was his first name? I couldn't remember, it's been so long. Then I talked to Ruby down here. She got her number 37 about in the same place I got mine, in a thrift shop. (laughs) And then Randy McCleary is over here with his Seattle Sonics sweatshirt on. (laughs) They're good now. It's stupid. What is important? What is important in life? I want you to listen to Colossians chapter 3. Now, those of you who are very astute, I didn't say stupid, astute, will realize that I preached on these same verses about two months ago. 
and none of you remember that. And by the way, this sermon is much better than the one I did two months ago. <laughs> because I looked back over it and I looked at it and I thought, whew, I preached that? So if you didn't remember, you'll get to hear now, and two months from now, you'll have no clue. It's not important. But the message that is preached is what is important. If we were to look at Colossians chapter 3, and, and they don't have this on the screen, if you have your Bibles, open and open. I would encourage you every Sunday to bring your Bible, because we go from God's Word. I mean, we have to understand that it's not just what I say or what Pastor Mary says, but what does God's Word say? And as we look at chapter 3 of Colossians, if we went back to verse 12, we, we see a directive from the Apostle Paul. We see him telling us the things that are important for us. Look at this. They're awesome over here. Good job. Notice the directive. Notice what we are to be doing. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, notice. And, and if you want things to do, these are things to do. What are we to do? We are to clothe ourselves, yeah, we are, <laughs> thank goodness, with, notice these things, with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. Is, is that enough for you? If I gave you that assignment, would that hold you for a week? Would that hold you for a month? Would that hold you for a lifetime? You could take these and it would be wonderful. Okay, I am to put on then compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Wow, there's a sermon right there. In fact, we could preach on every single one of those traits. And they are important. But look at verse 13. Bear with each other. I don't like the way it says put on than bear with each other. That just, never mind, that's not a good way to go. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. So put up with each other. Is that a good thing to do in a church? Yes. Is it a good thing to do outside the church? Yes. Is that something we can work on? Yes. Bear with each other, put up with each other, and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Some of us go around and we cannot forgive. Some of us have some things in our life that we just can't let hold of, and it doesn't hurt the person who did it to us. It hurts us because we're carrying it. Can we spend time forgiving others? Yes. Can we spend a week doing it? Can we spend a month doing it? Can we spend a lifetime doing it? Yes. Is that enough for you? Well, that'd be good if you could do that. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Look at verse 14. And over all these virtues, put on love. Could you put on love? Would that be a good assignment for you? To tell you to put on love? Yeah, that would take a lifetime too, wouldn't it? Put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, look at verse 15. 
By the way, do we have enough to do yet? Yeah, we do. But look at verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know, I'd love to see some of you while you're watching the Super Bowl game to see if the peace of Christ is ruling in your heart. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Look at verse 16. And by the way, when we are called to do that, we are called, it's God saying, here's what we should be doing. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Oh, the word of Christ dwelling in me richly. That means we have to know what the word of Christ is. That means we need to be reading what the word of Christ is. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Could you spend a lifetime teaching and admonishing one another? Yes, with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, with gratitude in your hearts to God. Look at verse 17. Uh Uh-oh. Rather interesting as we get to verse 17, which is our scripture today. Because in In verse 17, it stops all of these thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt. And and, and that's almost pharisaical. The Pharisees would go around and say, okay, here are the hundreds and thousands of things you have to do. And they would take the laws and they would expand them so their whole life was covered with thou shalt and thou shalt not. And, And really, as we looked at those verses from 12 on, That's what the Apostle Paul was doing. You know, do gentleness and kindness and all this and all this and put on love and forgive and and all of these things. And all of us could say, okay, I need to do this. You can leave here and say, okay, I got my list of things to do. and, And I was gentle today. Oh, good. I will check that one off. Oh, I'm so good because I was gentle today. Kind? No, I'm not quite there yet. But the next day, we're kind and oh, good. I did my kindness and checked that one off. And then pretty soon you start relying on your own sense and what you can do. And you're saying to yourself, oh good, I am so good because I did it. (laughs) Verse 17 takes care of us. For those of you who are self-righteous, for those of you who think you can do it, (laughs) look at verse 17. And I want us to look at each part. Whatever you do. So how much is whatever? It's everything, isn't it? There's no wiggle room here, is it? It's not as if you leave the church today and you say, okay, I put on my spiritual coat for an hour, and now I'm going to be out in the world and I'm taking off that spiritual coat. You know, God's word says the spiritual coat is on all of the time. That whatever we do, so it includes everything. What difference does it make to the world that you are a Christian? It makes a difference in whatever you do. It's taking your faith out on the football field. It is taking your faith in your job. It is taking your faith as you relate to your neighbor. It is taking your faith as you come to church. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed. Now, now see, here's a life of consistency. 
The words need to be saying the same thing as the deeds. The deeds need to be saying the same thing as the words. Are your words and your deeds, do they match up? Do they work for you? Will a person see you and say, yes, that's who that person truly is? You know, one thing I like about the Husky basketball program and the Cougar basketball program is both coaches are good Christians. How good are they? I have no clue. But they are people who are not ashamed of their faith. And I rather suppose, and what I know of them, they show their faith in whatever they do. And their athletes respect them because they have their life together, just like that coach we saw in that video. He's got his life together where he sees it is not winning or losing that it's important. It is not whether you have the state title or not, but it is who you are and whose you are. Is your faith there? Can people see your faith on and off the field, in your job and outside of your job, while you play and while you don't play? And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. So what does that mean? I'm doing it all in the name of the Lord. Well, if I'm doing it in the name of Steve, I put on what I want. I put on what I think I should be doing. When I do it in the name of the Lord, all of a sudden that takes on a whole new meaning. I'm doing what I think God wants me to do. What I think Jesus is saying to me to be and to do. I mean, that's what it's all about. When we serve... We are to do it as if we were directly serving Christ. Do you do that in your jobs? Do you do it in your play? Do you do it in your worship? I have to laugh because I, I knew that part of this would be about worship, what I'm going to talk about today. And so I'm over here thinking as we're singing those songs, oh, I wonder who's going to be mad that we're in our jerseys today. And then all of a sudden, a little light went off in my mind and said, you know, that's not your problem. Your problem is you need to worship. And all of a sudden, it took on a whole new light, me sitting over here thinking, God, this is between you and me. Quit worrying about whether the mics are working or whether there's a buzz in the system or, or whether someone's upset because... The pastors are wearing a uniform. And Sean Alexander's. So what? Whatever we do, whatever we do, do it in the name of the Lord. I had to laugh. I, I read about a pastor who was playing softball, and this kind of hit home for me. And they called on the pastor to pray before the game. And so he prayed and he got to the end and he accidentally closed it by saying, in Jesus' name we play. <laughs> what a great idea. Why should that not be our prayer every time? Every time we participate in something. In Jesus' name we play. Well, yeah, we pray too, but, but I like the idea. So what does it mean? To do it in the name of Jesus. 
We are his ambassadors. People see who we are and what we do. You know, last week, Pastor Mary shared what it might look like in work and how we might go about that. Well, what does this look like when we're playing in Jesus' name? I, I've shared with you before, and I, I can remember it because it was just so striking to me that we were playing softball, and one of the elders of the church, he swore right in the middle of a softball game. And then he looks at me, and I looked at him, and it was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't mean that. Well, he meant it. He just didn't quite catch it soon enough. Isn't that the way we are sometimes? And that's why I like sports. That's why I like competition. Because sometimes we don't quite have everything under control. And sometimes what is really real is what comes out. And sometimes we see where we can grow. Where Christ may not quite have the lordship. See, when we play in the name of Jesus, when we work in the name of Jesus, I, I, I guess there's only two things that we can do there. And maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think this is right. And, and the way we do this is either every moment we concentrate on a life in Jesus' name. You know what the problem with that is, though? And by the way, I would tell you to concentrate on living your life in Jesus' name. What's the problem with that sometimes? We can't do it on our own because in the heat of battle, sometimes what is inside comes out and it may not be real pretty. Have any of you heard your saintly mother say a bad word? Once in a while, huh? And weren't you shocked when they did that? Now, some of you, no, I wasn't shocked at all. She does it all the time. I'm talking about your saintly one. See, the problem is we, we can't control everything. We do a pretty good job putting on the face when we can think about it, but sometimes, sometimes it just doesn't work that way. So, so that's one, one possibility, but sometimes it fails. The other possibility is to sell ourselves out to Jesus so that everything that is inside, no matter what it is, if it comes out, it's okay because it's Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? See the difference there? One of them is we're putting on a face. The other one is it is who we are, and that is good. Now, by the way, is this a lifetime work in progress? You bet it is. You bet it is. Do you show Christ in what you do? I want you to watch another video. This one is one I, I remembered seeing, oh, a few months ago. And I thought, my goodness, I, I love this. So let's go ahead and, and watch this video.
alongside such unforgettable home runs. The setting for this one was a bit different. In a small town in the middle of Washington state, on a field inside a chain-linked fence, in a game fewer than a hundred people saw. A home run memorable not for the distance it traveled, or the game it decided, but for the meaning it carried. The last Saturday in April, the second game of a softball doubleheader between Central Washington and Western Oregon. Well, we were both neck and neck fighting for the conference championship. As a senior, this was Sarah Tukolsky's last chance to win a championship. She'd never hit a home run before, not in college, not in her life. A 5-2, I'm not very tall. Um, I'm more a line drive hitter. I don't hit for power. But in the top of the second inning, with two runners on, on the second pitch, that changed. and it just went. <laughs> and we're just cheering and the runners are cheering us around the base to head home. And then I'm going, where's Sarah? In her excitement, Tukolsky failed to touch first base, so she quickly turned back. Her pivoting like just didn't pivot with her. And I heard her kind of yell and she just dropped to the ground and I was like, oh no just fell immediately and was in a lot of pain just you know I tried to keep my legs straight but I was in so much pain that I couldn't really keep still. Tukolsky with a torn ACL crawled back to first base. She was a long way from reaching home plate and keeping her first and only home run. When she got back to first base she just she laid there and she hugged on the first base and then I, at that time, I was staring at the base, and I go, what on earth are we going to do? And I turned the umpire standing right next to me. I said, what is the ruling if I put somebody in for Sarah? He said, it'll be a two-run single. If anybody would have, on her team, would have helped uh, Sarah, she would have been a call, called out. That was the problem. None of Tukolsky's teammates were allowed to touch her. That's when Central Washington's Mallory Holtman, a player with more home runs than any other in conference history, a player for the opposing team, spoke up. I went to the home plate umpire and asked if we could pick her up and carry her, and he looked at me a little strange. And the umpire went and said, yes, you can do that. I'm still standing there in shock. I don't... I said, thank you so much. We asked her, she's like, is it okay if we pick you up and carry you around the bases? And I say, yes, and you know, and say thank you. And she says, you hit the ball over the fence, you deserve it. For that reason only, because she deserved it, Holtman and Liz Wallace began to carry the injured Tukolsky, stopping to touch her left foot on each base as the three made their way around the diamond. We actually started laughing because we were just wondering what this would look like to all the people in the stands. When I looked up, I I didn't see you know giant like smiles and screams. I saw 
emotion and tears and, and people crying. It's a great moment when someone has character to step up and do the right thing at the right time. It's emotional. You're proud. Be associated with those kids. That's the first home run of the season for number eight, Sarah Tikolsky. Is, you know, I I made my goal. I hit a home run, and um, yeah, it's my last at bat of my career. But I, you know, made my goal. So I'm proud of myself. Mallory Holtman, Liz Wallace, and the Central Washington team lost the game that day, four to two. Sarah Tukolsky lost the rest of her season and her career to a knee injury. But for the spirit of sportsmanship, a greater victory made on a long trot around the bases, a trip that truly touched them all. I have a lot of respect for her and put her in high regards, um, her and her teammates. And, you know, I can't thank her enough. Now, I, I don't know if they were Christians. I, I don't know that. But that was a Christian type of act. You know, and when we play in the name of Jesus, there's something more important than winning and losing. In fact, there's something eternally important as we play. And let me challenge you this day, as you take place in what goes around you, when you take part in life, may we understand that there are higher values, there's a higher good, there are higher goals than just competing, than just playing, than just working, than just being who you are. We are to do all of this in the name of Jesus. It's all in the name, isn't it? I want you to notice one last thing here, though. And then we're going to have them go back to the verses, to verses, uh, let's see, 15, 16, and 17. I want you to see something that those verses have in common. Tell you what, I'll help you out here, okay? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. Then what does it say? And be thankful. Let's look at verse 16. You getting a hint yet? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Give thanks with gratitude in your hearts to God. Look at verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. 
You see, this is beautiful. Because we're given all of these things that we are to do, and we are to do this in whatever we do, in word or deed, and in all of this, we are to give thanks. You know, this is an honor. This is a pleasure. It's not a burden. It's not saying, oh, I have to do this. But it's, Lord, thank you that you let me be a witness to you in my work, in my play, in my relationships, in everything, everything that I do. Okay, you want a homework assignment? Do it. Whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in what? In the name of the Lord Jesus. And as you do it, what are you going to do? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you betcha. Let's pray. Lord God, we are grateful that you give us things to do, but it's just not a list that you give us, Lord. But you tell us in whatever we do that we are your representatives. That we are out there because of you. And Lord, this day, this day, let us determine in our minds and in our hearts that we are serving because of you. We are serving because you have given us life. You've given it to us more abundant. We are serving because by grace we have been saved. May those that we serve See Jesus in us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. If we